this exciting weekend for us at First Baptist Church, we're ordaining two men, John Mark Cox and Jackson Moser, to the gospel ministry. They have said yes to God's call. They serve here at First Baptist. And what a blessing to ordain these men to vocational ministry. As we think about God's word today, I want to invite your attention to John chapter 13, an amazing story in the life of Jesus and his disciples. It's told in an upper room, but John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, here's what the Bible says. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him as you and I think about the upper room I took a ministry trip and went to Walmart Uh, a lot of things happen at Walmart so a lot of ministry can take place there I didn't go to Walmart to buy groceries I didn't go to Walmart to buy sports equipment I went to Walmart to look at the section of feet products And when you're in this retail giant and you see all the feet products, you walk away knowing this, feet stink. Now, as you and I think about John 13, and we think about the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, do you believe feet smelled any better back in Jesus' day than they do now? No, feet still would not smell well then, just like they don't now. But as you and I study the pages of God's word, here's what we're going to find. There were many, many people in ministry who found themselves at the feet of Jesus. Let me give you a couple examples. These are very humbling for us. One is in Luke chapter 10. We find Jesus coming into this village. He's going to go to a house that he's very familiar with, Mary and Martha. And in Luke chapter 10, the Bible says this, that Jesus goes into the house, and as he is there, he's going to be sitting in a chair, and Mary is going to be sitting at his feet. Mary, Martha's in the room, but she's a busy bee. She's, well, all the preparations that had to be made, she is extremely busy. But here Jesus is sitting in a chair, and Mary is sitting at his feet, listening to every word that he said. Let me ask you, when's the last time you found yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him? That's a wise spiritual practice to do. Let me give you another example as well in Luke chapter 7. It says there was a woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and to wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet as she anointed them. Here's this lady, woman of the city, a sinner, and she is at the feet of Christ, weeping over him, wiping his feet with her, with her hair, and she is kissing his feet. But John 13, the tables are turned. Jesus now is at the feet of his disciples, and he's going to lay aside his outer garments. He's going to take a towel and a basin of water, and he's going to wash the feet of his disciples. Many times in life, we make this statement. We say to someone, if you ever need anything, let me know. I'm glad to help you. 
Angie and I just moved into a new neighborhood, and we've been meeting some of our neighbors. And we said that. We said, we want to be good neighbors, so if you ever need anything, you let us know. And they would say the same thing. If you ever need anything, you let us know, and we'd part our ways. But imagine this. We say that. If you ever need anything, let me know. Be glad to help you. What if they came back and said, hey, on Thursday, could you come down and mow my yard? Hey, we, we, uh, we, could you loan me $1,000 maybe the next month because I want to finish my man cave, and if you can give me $1,000, borrow it, I'll give it back to you, I'll be able to finish that. Or what, what about this? Say, can, can we borrow your car next week? We have a trip to Disney World, and if we could borrow your car, we won't have to drive ours or rent a car. Your car would be great. We, we love your car if you let us drive it. What about if somebody came and said, would you wash my feet? My feet are dirty. Would you wash my feet? I imagine many of us would say, wait a minute, I didn't have those things in mind. I know I said, if you need anything, ask me. I'd be glad to help you. But I didn't have those ideas in mind. We'd start backing up in some ways. John chapter 13, the story is happening at a place called the upper room. Jesus is going to borrow this room for a time. He's not going to stay there long. He's going to give it back. John 13 causes us to focus on Jesus. Who is he? How did he live his life? How did he relate with people, followers and critics? And in John 13 in the upper room, Jesus is going to show us what servant leadership looks like. Him and his disciples did not gather for a photo shoot, but he is getting ready to worship with them and teach them. But he is going to model for them what servant leadership looks like because he is going to pick up a towel And he's going to pick up a basin of water and he's going to bend his knee and he's going to be at the feet of his disciples and he's going to wash their feet. Servant. As you and I think about life and ministry, we know this, that many churches in the Southern Baptist Convention are plateaued or declining. Some people say over 80% of our churches in Southern Baptist life are either plateaued, declining, or dying. Why is that the case? It's also noted from researchers that as many as 1,600 pastors and ministers walk away from the ministry every single month in North America. Many of them say, I'm just tired and exhausted. I have nothing left in the tank to give, and they walk away. Why do so many people walk away from ministry, from being a pastor, being a minister? I think what we see in John 13 may be the answer to that because there are many churches declining and dying, many people walking away from ministry because of this. We're focused on the robe, not the towel. See, when you focus on the robe, you're saying, I'm here to be served. Who's going to serve me? Who's going to take care of my needs? But when you're carrying a towel, you're saying, I'm here to serve. Where are the needs at so I can serve and make a difference? Too many people are focused again on the robe and not the towel. When we look at the enemy, the enemy is doing everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. Consumerism in the church and in ministry is a tool of the enemy. And as you and I look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the apostle Paul saved on the road to Damascus. The Lord changed his life, called him in the ministry. Paul identified himself. He introduced himself to say what? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, a bond slave. When you look at the life of the apostle Paul, after his conversion, he was not focused on a robe. I'm here to be served. He was holding a towel. I'm here to serve. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm here to give my life to meet the needs of other people. And as you and I think about this message, as we think about those in ministry, even as we ordain two men to the gospel ministry, are we focused on the robe or are we carrying a towel? 
It's my prayer that in life and ministry, I would be someone who would hold a towel and not focus on a robe. So as we look at God's word, let me give you some insights to that. I encourage you to take some notes as we follow along. Number one, it's critical to live wisely. As you and I think about John chapter 13, we know this from the life of the Lord Jesus. I want to give you this first word. It's the word identity. As you think about John 13, we know this from God's word that Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He says that in John 13. His identity was very clear. For those who are being ordained and for those who are serving in ministry, I pray for us this way, that our identity is in a relationship with Jesus Christ, not a title in ministry. One day you're not going to be serving in the role that you're in. That's why your identity in life should be in Jesus and not in a title or position. So, so as we think about this, Jesus knew who he was, where he was going, and he was going to go back to the Father. We ought to know this. We ought to know our identity. This is who I am. This is where I came from, and this is where I'm going. We need to be the individuals that the Lord created us to be. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. So as you look at your life as someone who serves in ministry, know who you are, know where you came from, know where you're going, make sure your identity is in Christ. Also make sure of this, as a church, we need to know who we are, we need to know where we came from, we need to know where we're going, we need to be the church that God is calling us to be. We're not to mimic another church, let's be whom God wants us to be as a church, our identity. Second word is the word purpose. As you and I think about our identity, Jesus knew his purpose because he's going to rise from supper. He's going to lay aside his garments. He's going to take a towel and a basin of water, and he's going to serve. As you understand the Son of Man, the Bible says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus understood his identity in the Father. He understood his purpose that he came to serve and to give his life on a cross for the sins of the world. He understood that. You and I need to know our identity and our purpose in life. 1904, William Borden was heir to the Borden Dairy Estate. He graduated high school a millionaire. And for his graduation, his parents gave him a, literally a trip around the world. And so as William Borden sailed around the world, the Lord convicted him and broke him for the people and the hurting people in Africa, in, in Asia, in the Middle East, and even in Europe. He was broken for the hurts of people. And so he wrote in his Bible, he wrote in his Bible two words, no reserve. And then when William Borden got off his trip, he enrolled in college. He went to an Ivy League school, and he got to that Ivy League school as a freshman and realized this, that the campus was morally bankrupt. The teaching, the philosophy was very, very empty. And William Borden was troubled by what he was hearing in classrooms. And so he got a friend together, and he said, could we pray together in the mornings? They started praying together as two friends. And then God started using them. They started inviting others to come to that prayer meeting. And so over the course of time, from freshman to his senior year, out of 1,300 students at the Ivy League school, a 1,000 of those students were engaged in prayer meetings in the mornings. Many of those students had given their lives to Christ over the time. William Borden uh, got to the point of graduation. Many people offered him high-paying jobs. He could have made even more money than he had, but he did not want to do that. The Lord had given him a heart for the mission field, for the hurting people, literally, again, around the world. And he wrote two more words in his Bible, no reserve, and this time he wrote in there, no retreat. 
And so when Borden graduated, he, he wanted to go to China, wanted to go to Asia, and the minister there. And so on his way, he stopped in Egypt, and he wanted to learn Arabic while he was there. So he spent some time there. And at 25 years of age, William Borden developed an illness that led to his death at 25 years of age. And when his parents got his Bible, they looked at the back leaf, and they found six words written in his Bible. Four of them we know, no reserve, no retreat. And then when he died at 25 years of age, before that, he wrote two more words in his Bible, and here they were, no regrets. William Borden understood his identity, and he understood his purpose. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. As you look at your life, I pray as you serve in ministry and live your life that you can say no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. That's the way to live life. That's understanding your identity and understanding your purpose. Now in John 13, here Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and and we're going to focus on the robe or focus on the towel. Jesus has focused on the towel. He's going to wash their feet. What did Jesus do in the final hours of his life? The Bible says he knew that his hour had come. What did he do at the final hours of his life? Here's what's amazing about this story. Jesus loved his disciples. He served his disciples and he washed the feet of his disciples. What would you do in your life if you knew that you had hours to live? What would you do? My dad died in a boating accident when he was 52 years of age. I thought about this in my dad's life a lot. I thought on a Friday afternoon when he was killed, I imagine when he walked out of the house and closed the doors, he never imagined that he would never walk back in that house again. That's how uncertain and fragile life is. But in fact, on that Friday afternoon, I was trying to get a hold of my dad because I was encouraging him to join the church I was serving at on Sunday morning. Life is fragile and uncertain. You never know. What would you do if you knew you had hours to live? But I know this. That Friday afternoon and and over the weekend after news spread that my dad had been killed, there were so many people came around, my family and me. And here's the interesting part. Those people who came around us, they were not wearing robes. Those people who came around us were carrying towels. They were there to serve. They were there to minister to us and to love us. And in this upper room, Jesus gathered with his disciples. He is going to be there to model for them servant leadership. It is is wise. It's critical to live wisely. And he is going to serve them. He's carrying a towel, not wearing a robe. Let me give you number two. It's powerful to obey willingly. In John 13, I want to ask you this question as you think about this story. What did Jesus hear and what did he see in the upper room? It's interesting. He's gathered around this table with his disciples. He's going to hear something and he's going to see something. One of the things we know in John 13, he knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he showed them love to the end. That's a powerful word for those of us in ministry. Do we love the people whom we serve with in ministry? We need to love people. Now, Jesus is going to wash their feet, and it's interesting as he does so, he tells them, as I've washed your feet, do what? Wash my feet? He didn't say that. He said, as I've washed your feet, I want you to wash one another's feet, meaning you need to love people and you need to serve people. Love should motivate us in ministry. And so as we look on down in John 13, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are to love people. We are to carry a towel, not wear a robe. 
let me ask you this, those who serve in ministry, are you loving the people whom God's called you to serve? When I served with the Kentucky Baptist Convention for a season, I met with pastors pretty much every day, meet at Cracker Barrel, other restaurants. I'd sit across the table with these men in ministry, and many of them are struggling in ministry. Many of them were pastoring churches that were plateaued or declining, struggling as well. And I'd look at those men. We'd talk about revitalization, what was God doing in the church, what God was doing in their own lives. And many times I would look at those men sitting across a, a lunch table, and I'd ask them two questions. And I'd say those men in ministry to say this, if you were not pastoring the church you're at, would you join that church? And then I'd ask him a follow-up question to say, if you didn't live in the city where you pastor or the area you pastor, would you move to that city or that area? And as I would sit at Cracker Barrel or wherever it may be at, many times in those conversations, those men, tears would start coming out of their eyes, flowing down their cheeks, and they would say, if I wasn't pastoring the church, I wouldn't join the church. And if I didn't live in the city or area, we wouldn't move to the city or area. And then I would share with those men about loving the people whom God's called them to serve. Somewhere I'd just say, pray that God would give you a love for the people in the city where you're at. Because if, if, if you don't have love for them, it's going to be tough to do that. If you don't love the people where you're at, it's, you're going to hit rock bottom quickly. You can't fake it for long. You can only fake it for such a time. And so you need to love the people whom you're serving with. You also need to love the place where you're at. Jesus is in the upper room. He is loving those men whom he is with. As you and I think about what he saw, I want to give you these two things. Number one, proud hearts. As you think about Jesus that day in the upper room, he's going to see proud hearts because there was a dispute that arose as they were gathered around the table. Anytime I've been to Mount St. Helens and we saw where that volcanic eruption happened, lives were lost, property was damaged. It was devastating to see that. In the upper room that day, there was this disruption that came about. In Luke chapter 22, here's what it says. They, a disruption happened and what was the cause of it? They were arguing over who was the greatest. Imagine that, sitting there with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to hold a towel, not wear a robe, and they're arguing with one another who is the best and who is the greatest. Proud hearts were evident in the upper room. I just encourage those of us who serve in ministry, make sure that pride is not a part of that. We need to have humility, not pride. Pride has no place in the work of Christian ministry. So if you serve as a pastor, you serve on staff, you serve in some area of ministry, make sure you're serving the Lord Jesus and his bride with a heart of humility, not a prideful heart. But that day in the upper room, pride was on full display because they were debating, arguing with one another who was the greatest. Second thing happened that day in the upper room, it was dirty feet. Because as they were gathered around the table, it was evident that feet had not been washed. If you understand the custom of that day, when you entered a house, you would remove your shoes or sandals, put them to the side. A servant would be there by the door and wash your feet. Because again, dust and you, the roads were dusty, you, your feet needed to be washed. But that particular day in the upper room, there was nobody there to do that. Well, if you entered a house and there was no servant, then one of the family members would volunteer to do that to make sure feet were clean. But in the upper room that day, no one volunteered, no one served. So that need went unmet. They reclined at the table. 
It's evident Jesus heard pride in their voices, but he saw dirty feet sitting around the table. And Jesus did something very radical that day. The disciples did not volunteer to serve. Jesus rose from supper. He didn't even finish his meal, and he got a towel and a basin of water, and he started washing the feet of his disciples. But that particular day, a ministry opportunity had been missed. I want to ask you in the church you're at, even in our church, how many ministry opportunities are missed? How many people say, I'll serve, but I can't serve right now because it's not comfortable or convenient? Let me just say to you, and based on John 13, serving the Lord Jesus Christ is never going to be easy, and serving the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to be comfortable or convenient. If you see a need, are you willing to meet that need? Jesus saw a need in the upper room, and he is going to take a towel and a basin of water, bend his knees at the feet of his disciples, and serve them and wash their feet. I attended college at Belmont University in Nashville. I was commuting back and forth from uh, Kentucky to Nashville. And so one Tuesday afternoon, I got out of class, started my way back to Kentucky. As I was leaving downtown, I came to a bridge. I looked up over and under the underpass and I saw some people living under the bridge. I saw people there and I saw a couch there. And I thought as I was driving, how in the world can those people live under that bridge? Because cold weather is coming. How could you make it at night living in such a cold environment under that bridge? And so just just continue to think about that during the day on Tuesday. On Wednesday night, the church I was serving, I was leading a Bible study, and I talked about those people living on the bridge, what I saw, and the Lord convicted me that Wednesday night about ministering and serving those people. And I shared that with our church family. Many of those people started saying, hey, we'll bring coats and blankets. You can stop and give it to them. And then the following Tuesday... I'd been in class all day. It's time to leave campus. I had the car was loaded down with coats and blankets and I was driving and going back to Kentucky. I came near that bridge, heart beating fast. I turn on my turn signal, pull off the interstate, turn the car off. I get out of the car. I walk up the steep embankment and then all of a sudden, right outside of downtown Nashville, I'm standing there with a group of people living under this bridge. There's a couch there. I introduce myself. They introduce themselves. They invite me to take a seat on the couch. And I can't even begin to tell you on that Tuesday afternoon that the sounds and the smells under that bridge. But I sat there and said, as I was driving home last week, I saw you guys on the bridge and the Lord Jesus convicted me about serving you. And so I said, you know, we shared it, I shared it with the church last Wednesday night. They brought in coats and blankets and, and I've got some in the car, going to go get them. So I went down back to the car, got the coats and blankets, had some help, took them back up there and gave them to the people. I'm sitting on the couch again and I say, I would like to pray for you. And then I shared the Lord Jesus Christ with them. And then I finished our time in prayer and I left. But as I walked away and I said, Lord, As a pastor and somebody who follows you, the desire of my heart is to always carry a towel and never wear a robe. I'm here to serve, not to be served. And so I just challenge you as you think about your life, it's powerful to obey. I just encourage you, make sure in the Christian life, if you're serving in ministry and vocational ministry or you're serving in the life of the local church, make sure you're not wearing a robe. You're not here to be served. You're here to serve. Carry a towel in your life. That's the life of Jesus. Number three, it's time to serve wholeheartedly. As you think about this story in John 13, 
It's a powerful story. Begin because no one was willing to wash feet. Feet were dirty. Jesus rose from supper. He takes off his outer garments. He gets a towel. He gets a basin and he pours water into it. And then he bends the knee and he starts washing the feet of those disciples. Here's what's powerful about this story. As Jesus bent his knees to serve those disciples and to show them how much he loved them, it's interesting, he washed the feet of the one who was going to doubt him. He washed the feet of the one who was going to deny him. He washed the feet of the one who was going to betray him. Jesus served them wholeheartedly and unconditionally. What about you in your service? You've got to understand about the life of Jesus. He left the glories of heaven. He came to this earth and took on human flesh. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a horrific death on an old rugged cross, buried in a tomb, raised gloriously on the third day. He has saved you and me by his grace, and he has left us here on this earth, and he's called you and me to serve him. He's called us to pick up a towel and to serve, not wear a robe and be served. And so as you think about the life of the Lord Jesus, it is time to serve wholeheartedly. How is God calling you to serve him? We're not CEOs. We're not celebrities. We're servants in Christ. Now I'm going to give you these five statements about those who are being ordained, but also those who serve in ministry, whether it's vocationally or you serve in the church in some very specialized way. But I want to give you these understandings about ministry. Number one, see ministry as a calling. You have to understand ministry is not a job. It's not simply a career. It's a calling. There are going to be days. The only thing that's going to keep you in ministry is the call of God on your life. Nick Ripken, many people know, may know Nick. You've read some of his books, served overseas in some very dangerous, difficult places. Nick is a friend of ours. And so Nick would say this. There are many times when he served overseas in those dangerous places, the only thing that kept him serving was understanding that God had called him to serve and to serve in that assignment. You need to understand ministry is a calling. It's not a job. It's not simply a career. God has called you to vocational ministry or to serve in some way. See ministry as a calling. That way, when the going gets tough, days are difficult. You say, God, you called me to do this, and I'm not going to walk away from the call. See ministry as a calling. Number two, prepare for tough assignments. I promise you this, those who serve in ministry, ministry is not easy. God may give you a tough assignment, a place you're going to serve at, or you're going to get a phone call or a knock at your door. It's going to be difficult. Ministry is simply tough, but make sure you prepare for tough assignments because God is growing you in those tough assignments. You may deal with difficult people in ministry. Everybody's not going to agree with you. Everybody's not going to support you. Some people are going to challenge you, but you prepare for those tough assignments. God has called you to serve him. Angie and I, one night, the Friday night, we'd been to a high school graduation. We just got home, and all of a sudden, we heard a pounding on the door. And I go to the door, and it was a lady from our church fellowship, and she said, you need to get to the hospital as soon as you can. And she talked and said, there's been an accident. She told me about the accident. We get in a car. We're driving to the hospital. We only lived about three miles away. And as we were nearing the hospital, I saw the helicopter leave the hospital, flying to, to Louisville, Kentucky, And as we walked in, they took me to an area in the emergency room that was a secluded area. And as I walked in, there had been a a mother and her two sons had been involved in a tragic car accident. One of the sons had lost his life. Another son was fighting for his life. 
And the wife and mother, she was fighting for her life as well. I walked into this secured area in the emergency room. And when I walked in, I saw the husband and father literally on the hospital floor. And I walked into that emergency room. And I ended up down on the floor with this husband and father. He was weeping. I was weeping. And we were just crying out to God together. You need to understand. And then we walked with them through that journey. Painful, painful journey. But I walked them through that. You just need to prepare for tough assignments. Because ministry is not going to be easy. Prepare for tough times, tough days. Number three, maintain a teachable spirit. If you're going to serve faithful in ministry, you never need to lose a teachable spirit. Stay in the word of God. Learn from other servants, ask them questions, learn about ministry, learn from your own mistakes, learn from the mistakes of others. Why did you do that? What happened in that? Just maintain a teachable heart and spirit. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul as he served, he never lost a teachable spirit. He always wanted to learn more. Near the end of his life, he wanted people around him. He wanted the books and the parchment papers because he still had a teachable heart and a teachable spirit. Maintain a teachable heart and spirit. Number four, equip other people to serve. Uh, you're going to understand you can't do it all in ministry. You're going to need to serve, but you're going to need to invest in the lives of other people, and you need to equip other people to serve if the ministry is going to be effective because the needs are too great. Here's what I know sometimes in ministry, people try to do too much, but that's not the call of ministry. You, you're called of God to equip other people. You need to involve other people in ministry, so equip other people to serve. That's going to be wise on your end. And I, I look and I see there are times churches are not reaching their potential. There are times those in ministry not reaching their potential because they're not equipping other people to serve. I've had times in my ministry where I tried to do way too much. And I limited the growth of the church because I tried to do too much. But I just challenge you, those who are being ordained, those who serve, equip other people to serve. That is wise. That's what Moses did. You see that throughout the New Testament. Invite other people to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and equip them. Then number five, cross the finish line faithful. You started well in ministry. Ministry is going well. I just encourage you to finish ministry faithful. Focus on the family again said 1,600 pastors, ministers leave the ministry every month in North America. Don't be another stat. Finish faithful. Finish. Cross the finish line well. John DeSanyo served the First Baptist Houston, Texas for years of his life. And, and Dr. John said when he was 21 years old, he was having a conversation with his father-in-law about ministry. He was in ministry as well. And, 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 and Dr. John's father-in-law said to, to John pretty much, by the time you get into your ministry, most of the people whom you're in seminary with in ministry, they're not going to finish in ministry. John just said, I just, it's hard for me to believe that. So John, when he was 21 years old in seminary, in the back of his Bible, one of the leaves, he wrote 24 names of individuals he was in seminary with. And he said, I'm going to keep up with their ministries as we leave seminary. And years pass, I'm going to keep up with them. So he wrote 24 names in the back of his Bible. When one individual walked away from ministry, he put a line through that name. And Dr. John said when he was 54 years old, again, this was done when he was 21, when he was 54 years old, he looked in the back of his Bible, he'd written down 24 names, only three of those individuals were still in ministry. I just encourage you, make sure you cross the finish line faithful. And how do you do that? Here's how you do it, like John 13. Jesus was a servant leader. And I encourage you in your life, make sure you're not wearing a robe. 
It's not about who's going to serve you. Make sure in ministry you're carrying a towel and you say, Lord Jesus, as you served and as you love people, I'm here to serve and I'm here to love people as well. I'm focused on the towel, not the robe. And that will help you carry out those things. So I want us to bow together as we pray, and I want to encourage you, wherever you are watching, that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves you. He gave his life for you. He died on the cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day. You can call from your heart to his heart and be saved this very day. If you need to follow him in baptism or church membership or in ministry, you're having a tough time and you need to ask the Lord to change your life. I just encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to do a new work in your life that you would love him. You would love the people whom you serve with in ministry and you would make sure in your ministry that you're carrying a towel and not wearing a robe, that you would be a servant leader and ask him to change your life. In an upper room, he borrowed He modeled for them a great expression of love and servant leadership by washing their feet. I encourage you to be a servant, not a celebrity, not a CEO, a servant. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his humility. Thank you for his willingness to bend the knee and to serve. And thank you that he carried around a towel and a basin of water and washed the feet of his disciples. And Father, I pray for those of us who serve in ministry, whether it's vocationally or we're lay folks who serve in ministry, that we'll be focused on the towel and not the robe because you have called us to be servants as well. So Father, I pray for decisions to be made of salvation, baptism, church affiliation, but just surrender to ministry, renew somebody in ministry, let someone start well and finish well, and the glory will go to you. And we pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. If we can minister to you, you comment to us, you email us at the address you see. If you're in ministry, we'd love to pray for you and help you. If you've made a spiritual decision, we'd love to come alongside you because our desire in ministry at First Baptist, we're carrying towels, we're not wearing robes. We are here to serve, and we'd love to serve you. So let's continue to worship together.